We're a long way from seeing the Stanley Cup race, but one thing that I think we can all agree on is that whichever teams make it to the final, let alone winning the championship, are going to be founded principally on skill and speed. Mind blown. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. The Avalanche are up 3-0 on the Oilers in the West. The Rangers are still up on the Lightning 2-1, although Tampa Bay prevailed in Game 3 yesterday on a last-minute goal by Andre Palat. Either way, if any of these four teams advance, but especially if it were to be the Lightning out of the East, you'd still have a final that would be founded on skill. The only reason I bring this up is probably the one you're thinking here, and that's that to see, hear, and read the sentiments of a lot of the Pittsburgh fan base, one would get the idea that somehow the Penguins were left at the side of the road after the first round by a whole bunch of great, big, strong, tough teams that plowed their way through, and nothing could be further from the truth. Who were those teams entering these playoffs? Calgary probably really jumps to mind, right? Not just because they employ on Lucic. They just have a generally bigger team. St. Louis won the cup a couple of years ago by having that bigger team. Poof, there went the Blues. How about the Capitals? For a long time, the biggest, the toughest team. Just like that, out of the playoffs. So where is this narrative coming from? Where is this notion that the Penguins, if only they were bigger and tougher and stronger, they would have been keeping pace with all these teams that advanced? They're all gone. They were all gone for the most part right away. Is this entirely because of Jacob freaking Truba? Is that what this is? Because one filthy player, and he continues to be that with another lousy elbow, In Game 3 yesterday, of course, uncalled, unpenalized, definitely won't get supplemental discipline. But Truba is not a trend. Truba, for that matter, isn't being effective because he's big and strong and tough. He's being effective because he's being filthy and the league isn't doing anything about it. Now, if you want to see that as a a vision of what's to come in the NHL, feel free. I'm on record as saying that if the league does permit headhunting the way Truba's getting away with it, then every team should employ at least one of them. But, and don't laugh at this, I genuinely believe that this is an isolated matter, meaning Truba's playing for New York. And everyone in New York, including the broadcast networks that are so beholden to the New York market because, I don't know, ratings or something, or worrying about being blasted on the tabloids for your TV commentary, 
But between all of that publicity, the positive publicity generated in New York for Truba, who's now being seen as some sort of conquering hero, that's where the NHL is. That's where the league offices are. And we're not so advanced as a society that that doesn't still matter. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. So, no, I don't believe Truba portends a trend. I do believe that the league has a real New York problem, but I believe within that that the league's not going to do anything about it because the league's going to pretend that it doesn't exist. Beyond that, though, beyond that, where does one come up with a solid argument? What is that convincing argument that the Penguins should get bigger and stronger? Based on what? That they couldn't outplay the Rangers? They did outplay the Rangers in six of the seven games. The Penguins also backed by a journeyman AHL goaltender for the overwhelming portion of that series. And let's not pretend that that didn't decide it. Did it because the Penguins were hit a lot by the Islanders the previous year? Okay, but here again, the skaters, the 10 skaters on the rink at any given time, displayed a significant tilt toward Pittsburgh in every single regard. The only thing that separated those two teams, and I'm not telling you anything you don't already know, was that Tristan Jari fell completely apart. He's part of the team, of course, but having a better Jari would have had absolutely nothing to do with getting bigger or stronger. Having someone other than an AHL journeyman in net against the Rangers wouldn't have had anything to do with getting bigger or stronger either. The Penguins were just fine in those areas. They're tough the way Mike Sullivan wants them to be, which means, for the most part, other than Evan Rodriguez in Game 6, they did really, really well to skate away from trouble. He stayed disciplined. They got power plays. They got more power plays than the other guys. They didn't do anything at all with those power plays, or very little. But that also has nothing to do with being bigger or stronger. Let me tell you what I think about how this sort of sentiment develops. And if this offends people, you know, whatever, so be it. You have your choice in podcast listening. When you're watching the game, whether you're at PPG Paints Arena or you're at home in front of your television, and you see a Truba or something else happen to your team, even just pushing and shoving, even between the whistle stuff, you get mad. It's human nature. And because you're mad, there are actually times where you'd rather see your team go out of its way to exact revenge, even if it means sitting in the box because you want to send a message. You want to have your anger acted out on the ice. 
who find that satisfying. And I'm saying all of this because I've been there. I know exactly what that feeling is like. Nothing in the moment feels better than that moment of revenge. I was in the civic arena when the entire city was ready to come down on Adam Graves of the Rangers for having deliberately cracked Mario Lemieux's wrist. It was a bloodletting. It wasn't a hockey game. And the fact that the Rangers ended up winning that one in overtime only made what happened later with the Penguins taking the series on the Ron Francis goal only the greatest single moment in that arena's history in my mind. Why? We were all mad. We were furious. We wanted somebody to act that out for us. Well, listen, that's not hockey in 2022. It's not hockey the way Sullivan wants it to be played. And the way Sullivan has it played works a heck of a lot better when he's got even average NHL goaltending behind it. When we come back, just one question. Today's J1Q comes from Todd Ellis, who asks, In all seriousness, what does Sidney Crosby need to do to his game to merit more consideration for the Selkie Trophy? For anybody who missed it, Patrice Bergeron won it for the five billionth time yesterday, and I am completely fine with that. I cast a vote for all of the NHL awards, and Bergeron was my number one selection. We're required to submit five names, actually, and number them one through five, and that is how the votes get counted. There's points assigned uh, to each vote. And Sid wasn't one of my top five. got to be honest with you, Sid wasn't a consideration for me. Uh, For one, uh, he missed a pretty significant chunk of the early season, and that's always going to hurt you when it comes to awards. So I really didn't see Sid as being a, a factor in any postseason honor with all due respect to who he is and all the points he ended up uh, putting up. But beyond that, and man, I am not one to make a habit of criticizing Sidney Crosby, so this isn't that. But I thought he took a step backward defensively from where he was the previous season. And even that's not a criticism because I thought he was outstanding defensively the previous season. Sid did have his games over the course of the winter where he was the 200 by 85 foot monster just covering the entire rink and dominating and he had more than his share of those in the playoff series against the Rangers. But there also were a lot of games along the way where remember when Teddy Bluger went down with a jaw injury and the Penguins lost that ability to just consistently dispatch a checking line out there against the other team's top opponents. Well, that went all right occasionally, but it went very badly at other times. And I dare say that among those times was whenever Sid would go head-to-head with the likes of Bergeron. That was and has been 
on a regular basis for Sullivan, a matchup that he sought out. He has no hesitation and never apologizes for putting Sid, Jake Gensel, and Brian Rust out against another team's top line. He has that kind of belief in those guys. And again, not without cause. But we saw multiple occasions this year where that drove a loss. That simple factor drove a loss. Oh, that's probably as far as I want to take this before I completely convince everyone to never listen to this show again. But, I mean, I'd like to think that whether I'm right or wrong about stuff, I'm always just sharing with you what I actually believe as opposed to just blurting something out to hope for some big reaction or whatever. That's not my style at all. Sidney Patrick Crosby is the best full-rink player I believe that I will ever see in my lifetime. And yes, that includes you-know-who, because 66 would only commit himself to the defensive zone in the most perilous of playoff situations. Now, when he did, he had no peer back there, but I don't feel like it's worth recognizing what Mario did defensively just when he turned it on. Sid is always on. Sid has a motor that's beyond belief. So for what Sid has done over the course of his career, yes, he should have been in more Selkie conversations than he's been. But two problems with that. One, everyone's always going to think of him as an offensive player. And even though some guys can kind of overcome that the way Andrzej Kopitar and Alexander Barkov have, oh, and by the way, Bergeron as well, Sid's obviously at another level from those guys when it comes to offense. The other, and I really think this is the bigger one, is that he is playing in the era of Bergeron. And Bergeron just owns this award. No one's won it more often than he has now. Five times now. Five. Inconceivable. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone listening to Daily Shot of Penguins and presuming anyone still wants to stick with this, I'll be back with another one tomorrow. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.